67 years. And I want to see them get to 70 years. 67 years. So we've been married 31 times 2. That would be 62, you know. That's a long time. 67 years. And uh, I know some, some of you have been married a, a good amount of time, and praise God for that. But it doesn't come without a lot of work and uh, a lot of forgiveness, lots of I'm sorry's. Right? That's what makes marriage work. It help, helps, helps you get through life together. If you don't learn how to say sorry, you don't learn how to say I forgive you, you're in for a, a, a short marriage. It'll be a short one. Right? You won't, you won't make it to the next one. Right? So we need God's grace and mercy. Amen. I want to minister this morning something that, that uh, Emily's already heard me preach this a couple of times because I preached it this morning, preached it to our ministry leaders and uh, some of our, our leadership team because this is an area of, of uh, development and growth that every one of us needs. And, you know, we got to be reminded. I like what Pastor Blake said about alignment. You ever watch somebody driving down the road in front of you and their rear end of their car is sideways? And you're thinking, they probably don't even know it. They're driving. I mean, they, they're, the alignment's off, but their car is going down the road sideways, and it's just something's, something ain't right. And this is what we need. We need to be brought into adjustment. This is how church does for us. It keeps us centered. It keeps us moving the way we should. It keeps us between the lines, right? And this is going to be a good year, but it's only going to be a good year if there's some things changing in us. If, if you do what you've always done, how many have heard that before? You get what you always got. And too many people just have a repeat year after year. They just do the same things they always did, and they have, they have the same uh, results that they've always gotten. And if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to do something for God and have a, have a true impact on our families and on the world that's around us and really change the world, then we're going to have to have, have a change of heart. Amen. So I've, I want to minister a message that I've entitled, Right Spirit Equals Right Results. Look at somebody tell them, Right Spirit Equals Right Results. How about that? You know, I thought there, if, if I did another title for this message, I would, I would title it, Don't Be Ugly. Now tell the person next to you, Don't Be Ugly. My, my baby sister is here Dianza and uh, she uh, this is my little sister right here and she can remember in our family my mom would say and probably some of yours too they would she would say don't be ugly if you get an if you get an out how many grew up here in that don't be ugly or is that just me don't be ugly don't don't say those kinds of things that are that are uh, off that, that are out of character and this is something that every one of us can learn because if there's if there's not a right spirit, we're going to have the we're going to have the same results, the wrong results, and we'll just pass one year. It'll just turn the calendar over, and it'll be the same as it was last year. There's a scripture over over in Psalm 51. If you would turn there with me, Psalm 51, where David comes before God, and you remember David's sin was to take a man's wife and 
send that man into harm's way. He was killed, and David stole this man's wife, had a baby with her. That baby died, and the end result were, was the consequences for his sin. He lost that baby, and it was a, it was a, a, a dark mark, a, just a, a terrible moment in David's life. But David came to his senses. David was careful to repent, and he says these words, and we're, we're fortunate we can read the words of David in Psalm 51. And he says this, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the examples that are here in the word of God and, Lord, what you're doing in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, touch hearts in this place. Lord, we open up our hearts and our lives, our, our hearts to your voice. I pray that you would lay a finger, lay your word upon our hearts and change us. Cause us to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, do as David did, create in us a right spirit, a clean heart, a right spirit. We ask this right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, this verse, I look at these things that David is saying, and David wants, he doesn't want to just uh, uh, have his conscience clear, but he wants to have a, a clean heart. He knows that there's a there's a clean heart and and with that goes along along with that a right spirit that there's there's a, an, an attitude adjustment. You know, some of us need an attitude adjustment. We need to, we need to be corrected. Am I holding this thing too close maybe? A little bit too close. We need to be corrected, don't we? We need it. We need to God to, to change us and do something in us. And David is asking about that, and he says, "Lord, I don't want to be cast away from your presence." There are things that we do that that grieve the spirit of God. They they hold the the spirit of God at arm's length. God, you can you can do only so much. Holy Spirit, you can do only so much, but then no further, and, he, and we hold him back. David says, "Don't take your presence away from me." Don't, don't stop correcting me and speaking to me. And he asks God of this. And then he says, uh, restore to me the joy of, of your salvation. There are people, they have gone, they, they had an experience with the Lord. They had a relationship. And there was a time when they had close fellowship. But along the way, the joy was lost. They're missing something. It's like they... they uh, you, how many remember that, that ad campaign? Tastes great, less filling. Remember what I'm talking about? This is how their Christian experience is. Tastes great, less filling. There's no joy. That it, It's lost from their lives. And David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I want to be in fellowship with you. God, I want to know what it is to come into your presence and just feel your, your presence. And there's an atmosphere in my life. And it, it doesn't matter what's going on. I know I'm in your presence. That comes out of having a right spirit before God. 
a right spirit, a right heart, because when, there, when the spirit is right, then the results begin to change in our lives. Jesus speaks to the disciples in John chapter 4, and he, he, he's, this is just after he ministers to the woman at the well. And you remember that story in John chapter 4? And they go off, and they, they go find lunch. For Jesus, and they come back to Jesus, and he's already ministered to this woman, and and he begins to talk to them, and he he says to them, he says, "You guys have a saying, don't you have a saying? Isn't there, isn't there something that you say that it's still four months until the harvest? It's like they're maybe they're always saying that. Well, four months until the harvest, we've got time. Maybe there's a there there's a lack of expectation. Four months until the harvest." Jesus says, but I'm saying to you, open up your eyes and look at the fields. They are, they are ripe for harvest. I feel like we, what we need is we need an attitude adjustment. Something where the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and says to us, you know what? You don't have time to waste on, on, on these, these uh, uh, unfruitful things and these trivial issues. We've got trivial, we've got people that are, that are they, they're fighting the same battles. They're going to fight the same battles this year that they fought last year. Their marriage is going to have the same, they're getting the same results. And I'm even dealing with it even in our church. And, and, and I see couples, that they, even in these, just we've had 11 days. This is the 12th day of the year. And they're already dealing with problems they were dealing with last year. Those those commitments that were made were not lasting commitments and it's just kind of they're going through I see it they're going through the same things that they've always gone gone through and what the Holy Spirit would say to us is, is you know what lift up your eyes begin to look at look down the road open up your eyes to the possibilities you know God wants to use us God wants to do something in our lives. He wants, to, he wants to transform us and cause us to be, He wants to make us into a mighty weapon for Him. We can do something for God. You can do something for God. You say, I don't have, I don't have skills like so-and-so. I don't have the kinds of, of opportunities that other people have. You know, I, I, I read a quote the other day. and I, It was in a book. Sometimes I'll read a book. I don't get anything out of that book but one line. And this happened to be one of those books that I haven't gotten anything out of it except for this one thing. And it said this, what, what people need is not better opportunities, but a better attitude. We don't, we're looking for better opportunities when what we really need is to have a better attitude. Our better attitude would open doors for better opportunities. A right spirit equals right results. And our vision for 2020, we've talked about it in the conference. If you had that privilege of being in the home church for the conference in October, we were, we were strongly uh, encouraging and, and talking about planting churches and raising up workers and disciples. Listen, there's a, there's a world full of people that are desperate for the gospel. They're waiting on the answer. They're waiting on somebody to present the gospel to them. How are we going to change the world? How are we going to, when we talk about changing the world and, and reaching the world for Jesus, it's a big world out there, isn't it? It's, it can sound and seem pretty impossible. But let me tell you something. It's not just about changing what's out there. It's changing what's in here. 
so that you can minister to your family and you can minister to the co-workers and those people that live next door to you. How about, how about starting there? How about just evangelizing your family? If we would all evangelize our families, how many know that would get us on the right track to evangelizing the world? We, do, we would be able to do something. And, and part of that in knowing the will of God and having the, the, the wisdom and mind of Christ is what we do in these altars at the end of a service and what God does in us as a church during a service. You know, the Holy Spirit is working. We, we give invitation in our church and in all of our churches, give opportunity and invitation for people to respond to that message, to what God is doing in that service. Doesn't, it doesn't happen like that in all churches, but uh, we, have, we get the, the opportunity. We, it's a privilege for us. So at the end of the service, we'll make an invitation for those that don't know the Lord, and then we'll make an invitation and open up the altars for people just to come and find a place to pray. Well, what's happening in that time? The Holy Spirit is working. There are burdens that are being cast off. It's not just for the, 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 that dirty sinner that's, you know, that, that person that you think has all of the problems and they need to be down there. I've been in churches, in our church, you know, I see it again and again. I wonder, what is it, why is it that some people never respond to that opportunity? Do they somehow, do they leave here and go to heaven and then they come back next Sunday? They don't live in the real world? They don't have the same kinds of problems? What's different? What's going on in their life? Let me tell you, there is, it's a privilege to be able to come and cast our cares upon him. Because he cares for us. And so we come and we give that opportunity. And the Holy Spirit does two things in that time. The first thing he does is he creates a desire in our lives. If there's no burden in, in our lives, there, that's a problem. Jesus says to the disciples, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are white, all ready to harvest. There's an opportunity out there. That opportunity is that, that clerk at the gas station that you're going to see this afternoon or that person that you're going to meet on the job tomorrow. He creates a desire. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, he clarifies the direction. He says, now this is what you need to do next. Here's the next decision. Here's the next thing that, that you need to do. There are people in here, God's got his hand on your life. There's a call. There's a distinct call on your life, and there's, there's something that he wants to do in your life and use you because his, his heart is always about people. His, all, his heart is always about touching the lives of people. And he clarifies the direction for us, and both of these are, are part of discovering the will of God for our lives and he, he he does this in us but he but he's he's constantly working on our heart he's constantly working on our lives a right spirit changing us because there there are times our our attitude gets out of whack our spirit gets out of out of line and there are things that need to be developed in us and and nobody none of us are there yet he's working out things in your marriage We've only been married 31 years. Some others might be married five years. This couple happens to be married 67 years. God's still working, working in him, in that couple in our church. And he's a, he's a real man's man kind of a guy. 
decorated Green Beret from Vietnam and, and you know, very independent kind of person. And he, let me tell you, the last time he was in our church, he got out of his seat. He's in his, he's in his late 80s, mid to late 80s, and he was down at an altar praying in that altar. Well, don't you think that by now he must have it figured out? That's how some people think. He's mature. But how many know just because somebody is older doesn't make them more mature? Isn't that right? Just because somebody is older in the faith does not make them more mature. Because I've seen people, they're, they're an inch deep and a mile wide. They, there's no spiritual depth in their life. And then you've got somebody that just gave their life to the Lord. Men, they've only been serving God a short amount of time, and they've already grown and matured so much. What it, what's the difference? The difference is in having and keeping a right spirit in our lives. Every one of us needs to be uh, uh, shaken a little bit by the Holy Ghost. How does he do that? He speaks to us in a service. He speaks to us in his word. He speaks to us in prayer somewhere. So we develop a right spirit. A right spirit is a decision of our will. It's not that we come down and now God's going to somehow just, he, he's going to uh, change everything about us. That's, that comes out of a desire to be in, in line with him. He's constantly prompting us. He's constantly chain checking us and checking our hearts. And, and we're, just, we're just carnal people by nature. That old flesh, that old man is always trying to rise up. It's always trying to get the upper, upper hand. That's why Paul says, he, he says, I beseech you, brothers, that you present yourself as a what? Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is re your reasonable service. A living sacrifice. Why does he say a living sacrifice? He says a living, you know, the problem with a living sacrifice is it always wants to get up off of the altar. And daily we say, God, I present my life to you a living sacrifice. I am a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. So what is the right spirit? Let me give you some examples, and then I want to touch on a few things that, that will help you, help all of us. But what is the qualification that we should have when we're being developed as a, as a person with the right spirit? One is a disciplined prayer life. In this fast, I encourage you to, to set a time and a place where you pray and you, you spend time with the Lord, that you read and pray. It's not just about not eating. It's about having a closer relationship. He wants to reveal himself in a deeper way in our lives. That means putting aside that appetite for the, for the natural things and the carnal things and putting our focus on him and giving him time to be able to speak to us. That's, what, that's the value of it. So a disciplined prayer life, faithfulness in church. Is, there, is your family intact? Are you a tither? We're talking about developing leaders and, and having, having these things, uh, characteristics. Are you a tither? Are you interested in people of all types and races? So if you look around, we're, we're not an all-white church. We're not an all-black church. We're not all wealthy. We're not of a, of a specific class. It's a, it's a variety. It's a multi-faceted uh, congregation. Everybody brings something different, and we're all children of God. 
We, we have a heart for all types and all races of people. Do, do you possess a steady will? Do you avoid murmuring and complaining? Are you optimistic? Are you a person that submits to authority? A good listener, disciplined mentally and physically. Are you loyal? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, but rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. You know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to think the same things, but then to express the same things is something even, even deeper. A, a good disciple... And hopefully we're all disciples here, right? A good disciple doesn't just think the same things, but they express the same things. That means when there's an issue, when there's something, we don't say, well, that's what the church believes, but I've, I have some other things. I've got some other ideas. I've got some other things. No, we, are, we express agreement. We demonstrate it. It's, a, it's lived out in our lives. We show up, don't we? That's the kind of, of people that we are. He says, be of one mind united in thought and in purpose. Thomas Watson, the former chairman of IBM, he said this. He says, nothing so conclusively proves a man's ability to lead others as what he does from day to day to lead himself. To be able to lead ourselves and to be in agreement you know, we're all responsible for our own actions, aren't we? We're all responsible. When, you know, at the end of the year, if things didn't work out the way they should have, you know, who do we, who do we, we can blame other people. Well, I didn't have this chance, and this person did this and that. But really, we, we own, we need to own our decisions, don't we? We need to be able to say, you know what, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I was faithful, and God honored that. And that comes out of a right spirit. There, This is something that has to be addressed in our lives. The first thing, I'm going to give you just a few things right here on, on how to develop the right spirit in our lives. And this is something that we can all take away and, and put to work immediately. All right? The first thing is, is free yourself from offense or offense. Free yourself from offense. Offense is one of those things that, that can completely derail a person's walk with God. They, I, there, there are people, and I've witnessed to them. I've talked to people about the Lord and asked them, do you go to church? Oh, I quit going to church because of this person did this, and that person did that. I remember we were, I was working in, in a lady's house one time. I was cleaning windows in northern Colorado, and, and I asked her, so do you go to church? Have you been in church? She said, I haven't been in church in, I don't know what it was, 10 or 13 years. And I said, what happened? She says, somebody came up to me, and she was British, by the way. Somebody came up to me and insulted the Queen of England. And I quit going to that church. And I thought, what a silly, trivial reason for quitting church. But would you, you would be surprised how many people have walked away from God or, or, or walked out of fellowship and said, well, I don't, I'm not going to go to that church because of something that was a small thing. Maybe the person didn't even remember saying it or doing it. But because of something that was said, how many, anybody here ever been offended in church? I have. 
And guess what? I've probably offended some people. I might be offending somebody right now. You know? But don't let, don't kill the messenger, all right? Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying what the Word of God says. But having a spirit of offense, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've heard this illustration before of how they would catch monkeys in in African countries and they would take a they couldn't get the monkey to go inside of the cage he was too smart for that because they, they would close a door on him but they found that if they were to take a coconut and put a small hole in a coconut and put the coconut in the cage and close a door or attach the coconut to a tree and put a shiny worthless object inside the monkey, out of his own curiosity, would see it go and slip his hand. You know, they make their hand small and put their hand in there and grab a hold of that. When he make a fist, he couldn't get his fist out because he's holding on to that thing. And no matter what happened, I mean, he would, all he would have to do was to let go and pull his hand out, he'd be free. But because they could not do that, the, you know, the person that's hunting the monkey, just bring a club and you know, smack him on the head. He's a goner, and it's a done deal. But this is how offense works with people. They, because of their, their uh, unwillingness to surrender something that's probably worthless and not of, of such insignificance, the devil comes along and robs them of their destiny, robs them of the joy. Like David said, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Unless there is a willingness for us to be right and to be freed from offense, we will hold on to something because we're married to that problem. We've got that, that right in our lives. And somebody once said, bitterness, and I'll get to bitterness in a minute, but bitterness is the poison we drink while we wait for the other person to die. Bitterness is the poison we drink while we wait for the other person to die when they may not even have a clue there was ever an offense that was done what is the right response to be freed from offense it's to go to that person and to ask for forgiveness you say well they're the ones that should be saying sorry they're the ones that should be doing it no if you want to be free you go and you ask for forgiveness and then you let it go and you free yourself from that because otherwise you'll never find fulfillment and peace and joy and you'll never be able to say like David there's a joy in my life until David said these things and did these things in his life it, it, it says in verse 13 then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you the will of God cannot be fulfilled as long as we're holding on to these things that hold us in bondage this, these things that create a wrong spirit, these ugly things, don't be ugly. These things that are wrong. So the first thing is free yourself from offense. The second thing, free yourself from pride. Free yourself from pride. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. What's an evidence of pride? Pride, a person that has a spirit of pride has an independent spirit. That means they refuse to look to God or others for help. A failure to admit mistakes. A lack of a teachable spirit. They know everything already. A rebellious attitude towards those in authority. A proud countenance. Self-centered conversation. Intolerance towards the mistakes of others. 
or a bossy attitude. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? You ever work with somebody that's just bossy? Does that drive you crazy too? How many work with somebody they're, they're just bossy? And they don't even, they're not even the boss, but they're bossy. That's a spirit of pride. Step, the, 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 the third thing here, free yourself from anger. In Proverbs 16, it says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. In other words, there's another verse in Proverbs 25 and 28. You can look at it on your own. I don't know if, if we've got it. Here we go. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. Think about that for a second. No rule. Their, their emotions, they're just one day they're up, one day they're down. And, and you never know which person you're going to get when they come walking through that door. That husband, when that husband comes home, you don't know which husband's walking in. A person that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. That means, you know, those walls are, are your defense. In those days, if you didn't have walls, you were vulnerable to attack. And there's a reason the devil has so much liberty in marriages and so much liberty in people's, uh, even in their finances. Because those walls have been broken down. They have no rule over their own spirit. That means you have to say no to yourself from time to time. Amen? And so what is some evident evidence of anger? And I, I can say this is, this is true at any level of marriage because I've seen it in many couples that are only married a short time and sometimes much longer. They, one of the evidence of anger is temper tantrums at any age. Not just four-year-olds, but 40-year-olds. Temper tantrums. And they know what I'm talking about. You ever get behind somebody or around somebody driving and they're, they're pitching a fit in the car? It's called road rage. Temper tantrums. At any age. They're, they're just kids in big bodies. Another evidence of anger is angry, angry reactions to supposed injustice. Expressed frustration over unchangeable circumstances. Grumbling, murmuring, and complaining in extreme sensitivity and touchiness. Come on. They just, you can't talk to them about anything because they're touchy about, about it. There's a, they, there's, they need, there needs to be a freedom from anger. The fourth thing, to be free from immorality. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Because... We have these promises, dear friends. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our, our body or our spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. He, he, there, there are things that defile the spirit. They grieve the spirit. They, there, there's, a, uh, there's a call to holiness that is needed in this day and age, and, and we, need to, we need to cast that off. We're praying for God to deliver us when we need to say no to our, to our flesh and say no to ourself and begin to line ourselves up with the Word of God and say, you know what, I'm going to have a right spirit because I don't want to have those, the, the consequences and the results of, of what that brings. Go read what happened with David. And he allowed that spirit of immorality in his life. That's what prompted this, this passage of Scripture. 
to be free. What's the evidence of impurity or immorality, sensual conversation? Even listening at work and on the job, you get around people. Separate yourself from all of that. Rise above it. You're born again. You're changed. You don't have to act like the world and, and, and fit in with that crowd and follow along with, them, with what people are saying. Even at school, begin to draw the line in your life. Uh, the reading of impure materials, and I would add to that per perversion and pornography, and those kinds of things. Having an impure attitude and improper actions towards members of the opposite sex. Sensual dress or appearance or even carnal curiosity. And then the last thing, and I'm going to ask if our musicians would come. The last thing here, free yourself from bitterness. To have a right spirit, free yourself from bitterness. Hebrews 12 and verse 15 says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. No poisonous root of business. If it had stopped right there, we would have said that's a, that's a good verse and we'll take it to heart. But he adds right here at the end, corrupting many. He puts that in there because that spirit of bitterness is not satisfied with the destruction of one life, but that spirit loves to be transferred to other people. How many know misery loves company? You've heard it before. Misery loves, people like to, they like to voice their, their discontent and their attitude to somebody else. And they, they just, it loves to spread. And unless that spirit is dealt with in our lives, we will, it, it doesn't just touch us. It touches our kids. It touches our families. It has a way of, of working in a church. And it's something that has to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with in our lives. Evidences of a spirit of bitterness are these. Sarcastic and critical talk. An inability to trust people. Frequent illness. I've seen this even in our, in our own church, that when somebody's bitter, they won't show up for a few days, a few services. What happened? I begin to automatically think, who said what? Somebody said something, I'll talk to them. This person offended them, or this person did something, and now they're mad at the church, or mad at me, or mad at somebody. And, and one of the things we have nowadays that we didn't have years ago is social media. Instead of, instead of just saying something to, to somebody, they, they want to say it to the whole world. They do it to us from time to time. They'll leave, an, they'll leave an ugly remark online or something, something like that. And it may, it may have been something that was totally nonsense and off the wall. But because the devil was working in that situation and wanted to hurt them and derail them, he, he, sometimes things are magnified. If, if we're not careful, we'll begin to develop the wrong spirit. What's the end result of that? We miss, we miss our opportunity. We get bent out of shape over something. We get an attitude, and, and, and you know what, what God does? He begins, he, he'll work in somebody else. The work will continue. God will continue to do what he's going to do. But frequent illness, self-pity, or a sad countenance, they, they, carry that, they carry that bitterness on the outside. And sometimes you can tell. How many know when, you can, when, when somebody's not right, you can, you can tell? They think nobody knows. 
It's just like, you know, maybe it's like bad breath, you know. They don't know it, but everybody else knows it. They've just kind of gotten used to their own stink. You know what I'm saying? That's just reality, right? God wants to do something in us. He wants to change us. When, when we come in to a, the, the presence of God, and we, he, every one of us, I, you know, I can get something out of almost any service. I go to, I, I, God speaks to me. And it doesn't have to be what's even being ministered, but my heart is right and my spirit is open. And God will begin to deal with me about things. You know, when he's speaking to us and he's dealing with us, that's the time we need to make a change. Don't say, well, I'll, I'll get that right when I go home or when I, next week, I'll make that right. No, we, we should make that right now. Say, God, thank you for cha- showing me that. God, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better, a better Christian. I want to be a better example. I want, to, I want you to use my life. And this year can be a different year if our spirit is right. If we go through and we hold on to things and we just don't let the Holy Spirit do what he would like to do, one year just turns into another. Before you know it, you'll be at 2030 if Jesus doesn't come back. You'll be 10 years down the road. You think, man, that's far off. That's, that's way out there. It goes by like this. Today is the day. Today is the day. Amen. Let's bow our heads across this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, if you would just speak to us, Lord, individually. Lord, you know the areas of our lives that remain unchanged. Those areas that you're working yourself through, Lord, that you're working on. Those attitudes, God. Those habits and addictions, those thoughts that do not bring you glory. Maybe, Lord, there's some things that you're doing in us, God, that are, that are pushing us. You'd like to push us into other areas of ministry and fruitfulness. We've resisted because of whatever spirit or attitude. God, I pray that you would change us this morning. Lord, as you're working in this place, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Lord, I pray that you would touch every one of us, myself included. While our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and Christians are praying. There are some here, you do not have salvation. You don't, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You're not born again. You've not receive Jesus. I'm not talking about joining this church. I'm not talking about just knowing about salvation. I'm talking about a personal relationship with him where he sits and he's on the throne of your heart. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I would go into, I would make heaven my home. If I were to go into eternity, I'm not sure. But today I want to know him. I want to be forgiven. I want to come back to him. I knew Jesus at one time. I had a relationship, but my life has been in sin and somewhere I, I lost my way, but today I'm coming back to him. How many all across this place would lift up your hands and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me this morning. Pray for me today. How many would quickly raise it up and put it back down? Amen. God bless you. How many others? How many others lift it up and put it back down? You said that's... That's me, Pastor. I'm not right with the Lord, but today I want to make that decision. I need him to 
restore to me the joy of my salvation to create in me a clean heart. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together in this place. We're going to open up these altars like I mentioned in the beginning and we're going to give time for us to just put our needs before the Lord. This is not just for salvation. This is not just a prayer of salvation. This is a this is a, a an altar. This is a, a time where we're saying, God, I need you to do something in my life. Maybe there are some things that you need to just lay on his shoulders. You're not carrying, you said, I can't carry I can't carry these things this year. Maybe the Holy Spirit is dealing with one of these five attitudes. These, these things that I've talked about. And you say, I'm, I'm going to get it right this morning. I'm not leaving here with, a, with this spirit of immorality or this attitude of bitterness. Whatever the case might be. Maybe it's anger. You say, I've got a temper. I've got, I, this thing's got to get under control. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Would you come and let's find a place in these altars. If you lifted your hand for salvation, would you come and find a place to pray? And let's just, let's do business with the Lord. Can we do that? Let's do business with God. Make this time count before we dismiss, move to other things. Let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life and just be real. Be honest with Him. Would you do that?
let's just begin to glorify God. Jesus, we need you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to create in us a clean heart. Lord, renew a right spirit in me. Lord, renew a right spirit in us, I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if we would if we would go to the altar often, things would be worked out in our lives. We would save ourselves so much time. It would, it would, it would save us. You know, some people, they take, they're taking the long way in everything. It's like they're going the roundabout way in everything. The shortest distance between two paths is what? A straight line. But you know how many people, they, they live life and they're just going back and forth. They hit a dead end and then they double back and it's just, it takes time, doesn't it? If we would simply trust in the Lord with all your heart, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? He'll direct your paths. Or in the NIV it says, Make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In other words, you won't take so long getting there. Right? And otherwise, you know, otherwise, I guess if you want, you just take the next 10 years figuring it out. But if you go to the altar often, if you make an altar often, if you bring your wife to the altar when you're going through a, a, a trouble, instead of waiting and saying, Pastor, we need counseling. I've told our church, don't even come and ask me for marriage counseling until you've been at the altar for a month with your wife praying about it. I know that's harsh. I'll talk to him. I'm not going to. But I'm, I'm still waiting. Hey, are you going to bring your spouse and you guys come to that altar? Because that's where your answer is. You, you'll accomplish more in just a few minutes bringing your needs before God than you will in a month of sermons. Amen? And God will help us. I don't know how I got off on that. That's another message next time, I guess. But let me tell you something. It's going to be a good year. I preach this to you because it's what our church needed. And I know there are people here, we, we all need this kind of, of direction in our lives and you're going to make it it's going to be a it's going to be a good year it's going to be a fruitful year god's going to god's going to do great things in this church what you our eyes can't even begin to understand what god wants to he wants to do it more than we want it he's just waiting on us amen so let's be where god can use us amen praise god god bless you we love you amen